Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded Welcome live. Welcome to the audience. Uh, it is a Sunday service. You've just joined us. The service in progress. And uh, we're speaking about faith and how to live by faith. But a statement like this, it really gets people's goats because it actually gets to the heart of the matter, doesn't it? You know, Christianity is free, but it'll cost you everything. And people understand because we're not kingdom-minded, we're individually-minded. And let me make a statement here real quick. Uh, you, you all want me to make a quick statement? There are a lot of people that say, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, especially the selfish 80s, Everybody was into me, myself, and I. And we had people like James Dobson and many other uh, family gurus that came out and bringing things back into a place of revelation that the family should be number one. And that's a true statement, amen? And they had scriptural references. But now that we are beginning, that God is beginning to unveil some things concerning what family really is, family is actually not just you, yourself, and, and, and your family, but the scriptures continually spoke about the clan the tribes, and those, they were considered family. In the same way, the body of Christ is considered family. But in the United States, we have a culture in which everybody is very much closed in. And, and uh, you know, we get out of a locked car to go into our locked homes. Uh, um, you know, we, we, we get, we're very security-minded because, it's a, you know, quite frankly, it's an evil world out there, so you need to be. But what happens is many people believe, well, you know, I'm going to do this and spend time with family. Well, the very fact of the matter is that when the body of Christ comes together, it's the family coming together. It's kind of reunion every Sunday. Are you with me? And so the, the description of the family comes from the Bible. Can I tell you something? When we speak about the kingdom, when we speak about Christian ideals, we speak about what the Word of God says, we're to live as believers in His Word. His Word is final authority in our life. Amen. And so we come to these crossroads when we begin to define certain things and we want to understand what God is doing in this season. It's all about his kingdom. And thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. His kingdom is manifest in and through you and how you live. And when we begin to understand a statement like this, we, can I tell you something? Sometimes it's, it's especially, you know, women and men, and they begin to think, well, what, am I, what is my role? Nobody's asked to be president of the United States or a CEO, but, they, but if that's where, you're, where God is leading you, then get there. But if, if, but if you're to raise up children, now watch this. Everything concerning the born-again experience begins by the Spirit. The, even the very Word of God, the Bible tells us, is spiritually discerned. Amen? So it begins in the Spirit, and, the, and, and you're going to find out and give you some examples out of the Scripture today that we need to begin to understand that everything needs to be spiritually discerned before you enter into a natural world that we live in. So many of us have, have forgotten that key. I remember back when we were on fire for Jesus, nothing mattered except Jesus. 
were just in love with Jesus. Everything was Jesus, 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 and that's fine. But all of a sudden, we come into a place where we say, yeah, but, you know, we finally had to get out of the honeymoon period and reach, uh, live life in the real world. That means the real world conquered your heart. And now you live the real world with real issues without applying a spiritual remedy to what it is. And many times what you are called to do is leave a spiritual legacy. Watch this. Because if we're raising our children, and I'm going to come back to this up with the scripture, we're raising our children to be financially independent. We get it to them to show them how to chase money, cars, and houses. But we don't teach them how to enter into the world to solve issues and be victorious as believers because they don't see us with the power of God. When I was growing up, my grandmother gave us a spiritual legacy. Many of those that are born again in our family is because my grandmother really began to, uh, we used to look at it as a, she, was, she was pushing the Bible. Everybody got a Bible for his birthday. No matter how many times you got a Bible for your birthday and a book about the Bible for your birthday. You know, it's like, uh, we already knew. So she was coming over to see you for your birthday. We were going to leave before she got there because we knew that we were going to have a Bible or a book about the Bible. But she would take us to places where the power of God was in manifestation. And I learned about the manifestations and the power of God. So the legacy that she left was a spiritual legacy because I'm going to tell you something, that if we don't teach our children to buy our example that it is he who gives us the ability to create wealth, but we just show them how to create wealth in this world, we're not giving them a spiritual legacy that will last. Because the spiritual legacy is eternal. The natural legacy ends. Are, are you following what I'm saying? So when we go to the scripture in, in 1 Peter, excuse me, 2 Peter, and let's go there right now. I'm going to begin to read this. It says in verse 3, chapter 1, verse 3 of First Peter, Second Peter, excuse me, says his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the full knowledge of the one who called us by his own glory and grace and his glory and excellence. Through these, he's given us precious promises that, so that through them we might participate in the divine nature, seeing that you've escaped the corruption that is in this world caused by evil desires. We found out that the evil desires were not just the desires of the flesh, but it's the evil desires to walk away from faith. Are you with me? See, a lot of times we begin to say, well, I have to live. I'm going to show you where performance comes in because sometimes we think we have to perform to be accepted by God, but we don't. Are you with me? Now watch this. And he says, for this very reason, you must make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Some Bibles say moral excellence, moral character, and your moral character with knowledge. But to see, the translators translated that word virtue took away the, pop, the, 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 the portion that actually defines that word as dunamis, with power. But it's power from God. That's why they got moral excellency, because they thought, well, you have the power to live right. That's back when we were always being told, you've got to live right, because you can't be like God. So you've got to live right. So he's going to give you virtue, which is his power to be right with him. But see, he's already given us his righteousness. Look at your neighbor and say, you are righteous because you have his righteousness. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. In other words, you are in right standing with God all the time. 
Come on now, man. If you're not off to one side, you are his righteousness. Now watch this. But it says, we're talking about virtue. Now I'm going to define virtue. That word virtue, if you're writing notes, it's not in the sense of moral excellence, but it's of the energy with which Christians are to exhibit as God exerts his energy upon them. How many know that God exerts his power? It's his dunamis. It's his power to act. It's his power to do of his will. How many know that the Bible says that, that, that we do, that, 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 that what he does is he provides us the ability and the desire to do his will? So it's not even your desire to do his will. He puts that desire and that ability to do his will. Isn't that amazing? You know what? God has set us up with so many fail-safes that we always try to be good so that we might be accepted. But we're already accepted in the beloved. Amen. I need to show you this thing because you need to understand this so, you quit, so, that, we can quit, so that we can stop performing so to be accepted. Now watch. And it says to exert that energy as God calls us by his own virtue. Christians are to exhibit virtue or energy in the exercise of their faith, translating it into vigorous action. That's what it's talking about. That's what that dunamis power is, is to exhibit that which God puts upon you through vigorous energy. It's, it's the power to be able to do what he's asking you to do. Now, then it says to add to that knowledge, of course. We're not going to go through the addition of those things, but I'm going to stop right there at virtue because he gives you the ability and the desire to do his will. We've got to know that because I'm going to come into something that's going to allow you and free you up. Can I tell you something? Watch this. People who are poverty-minded only think of things and possessions. Middle-class people put a high value on education because they see education as the way out. So what middle-class people do is they scrimp and save to obtain and to retain so that they can take another step up. Are you with me? It's a mentality. Everyone say a mentality. It's a mind skin. Impoverished people will always put a higher value, what's this, on relationships, which is important. It's not, don't get me wrong. It's important. But, they, but they, the relationship is with people that are like-minded. People who are, the, who are in the middle class, the upper class, speaking of financially, they're looking more into an historic, ongoing legacy that never stops. So they look to invest and to conserve. What are they conserving? It's not the money. It's the legacy to continue the history that began that takes you into the future so that they never lose what's this their place. Where does the believer fit? Uh, let's watch, I'm going to show you where you're from. How many remember the story of the prodigal? Prodigal son left the estate of the father. We all live in the father's estate. But right now we are, we are living ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5 tells you that we are ambassadors of Christ. You know what that means? That we are in his domain is where we live, walk, work, and have influence. 
Just like an embassy who is filled with the ambassadors of their nation, that property that encases that compound is literally, like say if we're in Afghanistan and we have an embassy there, that embassy is the United States. Where you live and reside is the kingdom of God. And you enforce the policies of that kingdom in your home, where you work, and in your sphere of influence. Are you with me? Is this making sense? I've got to divide this because where I'm going, I'm going to show you. Because what, have, what we've done is our home is not an embassy. Where we work is not an embassy. You know why? Because we live under the principles of the current world in which we live. Let me give you a story to give you an example. The newlyweds are coming through, are on their way to their honeymoon. And a van coming down the street crosses their path and they get into a head-on collision. the, the the, The honeymooners are propelled into a ditch and the car is destroyed. The husband comes around and he sees his bride, his new bride, bleeding profusely. And as he looks up, he happens to glance on the, upon this sign that says, Dr. Gerald Brown. And, and it shows the direction of how to get to his place. So he picks up his wife and he runs past the sign and begins to pound on his door. And he says, Doctor, Doctor, you've got to do something. You've got to make her stop bleeding. You need to help me. And he goes, Oh, my God, I am so sorry. I stopped practicing medicine years ago. And he holds his wife up and he says, Doctor, you've got to do something. Either save my wife or get rid of your son. Now, believers are living a life in which they are, the Bible calls them clouds without rain. They're living with the imprint of the presence of God where they deny the power thereof. And many of us have lived a life and said, well, I got in the Word. I know the Word. You haven't read the Word. You haven't prayed in a while. And what happens is, bam, right when you are needed the most to express the image of God in you, you don't have the good. You're just a sign. that points to someone who can tell you what to do. You yourself have no power to change another life, to change the atmosphere in your house, to change the atmosphere at work. Well, all we are is signs that point to someone who can How many know that many of us enter into that place at one time or another? How many know that? I'm going to share with you how to always stay on point so that you do not become just another sign. Because people who know you're a believer will call you one day and say, you know what, my mom's got stage four cancer, I need you to come pray. You have it in you. Or do you say, well, I've got to go get myself prayed up and ready. How many have ever been to where you're, God is saying, all of a sudden you meet someone and God says, that one, cast the devil out of them and pray. Or just bring them into the kingdom and you're saying, right here, right now, oh, you know, I've got to get ready. You know, don't be a sign. Let's bring someone back into the kingdom of God. It's our time. Now, I bring this up because I want to show you something. How to succeed in this life and in this season, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 6. How many are with me so far? How many here want to be more than just a sign? 
It takes faith. It takes getting everything that God says is yours. Some people say, well, you know, I think I'll just take this, but I won't take that. Come on now. If I were a mechanic, and they said, well, what kind of tools do you need? Uh, you know what, just give me a hammer, bailing wire, and a set of pliers. How many know you're not going to get very far as a mechanic? Come on now, you know that's true. You want to be an electrician? Well, just give me a screwdriver, some pliers, electrical tape. Pastor George is not going to take us very far as an electrician. As Christians, God gives you a toolbox full of the power of God, the tools of the Spirit. He gives you, what does he give you? Fruit of the Spirit within to live and to govern your life. Then he gives you the power of God and the gift of the Spirit for everyone else. Well, I don't think I'll share in the gift of the Spirit. Why? Selfish old thing. Gifts of the Spirit are for someone else. The Bible says it's for the body of Christ to profit with all. How many here want to help the body of Christ profit? I don't mean about money. I'm talking about growth and getting them what they need. How many know that that's the truth? Sometimes those, you know, I'm like to ignore the gifts of the Spirit and just not give a word. I mean, and she could just keep it to herself. Say, well, I, don't, I think I'll not do that. And then someone walks out of here shortchanged. How many ever? How many here ever gone to buffet? Now, let's say your favorite food is shrimp and lobster. And every time you go to the to the tray where lobster and and shrimp are, it's just not there. And then you just fill up more lettuce and cherries and strawberries and all the other fruit and some of the other paraphernalia and noodles. Then you say, well, I'll go back to their tray. You go to the tray, and there's just remnants and pieces of the stuff that you like because everybody's getting it. How many know that when you walk out of there, you're going to feel shortchanged? See, a lot of us deny the power of God because we don't want to be responsible for what God gives then we're left without tools to govern our lives and to be active for someone else. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself and follow me. Why? Oh, we've got to nail our flesh to the cross. No. The Bible says that your flesh and the sin was nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ. And when he died and was buried and rose again, it was for your justification. Amen? This is when we see the intercessory power of God, you take up your cross because you're living on behalf of another. It's an intercessory life where we bring God to man. That's what an ambassador does. Our news is to get people to tell them they're reconciled and bring them into redemption. From reconciliation to redemption. Amen? And he gives you all the tools available to do that. Now, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 6, it says, watch this. So Solomon said... Because God asked him in a dream. Imagine that. God had to get him in a dream to talk to him. How many here have God talk to you in dreams? Amen. God will do that. He'll talk to you through dreams. You know why? Because sometimes we can't stay still enough for him to speak to us another time. And so God shows up in a dream and he says, so Solomon said to him after this, he told him, you have demonstrated gracious love to your servant David, my father, as he lived in your presence truthfully, righteously, and uprightly in his heart. And in addition... You have kept showing this abundant, gracious love by giving him a son to sit on his throne today. Now, how many know, how many have ever read any kind of story about King David? Oh, King David couldn't build God a house because he shed so much blood. True. You know that before he can come back into the, the city, the holy city, that when he was out battling, 
he'd have to go through ceremonial washing so that he can enter in and be received by God in the temple and in the throne room. He couldn't just walk in with all the blood and all the stuff he comes in the life. How many ever heard of that expression, all is fair in love and war? Well, I'm, I'm going to... When you're fighting, you know why the Indians just beat the snot out of the uh, settlers when they started showing up? Because they had pomp and circumstance about how to fight, rules of fighting. My dad used to have us in boxing, and there's rules in boxing. And he said, when you box or do martial arts out in the street, those rules don't apply. And he was sharing with us history how that the British soldiers and the new Americans would line up, two would get on their knees, the, the front row got on their knees, and the other one was ahead, and they all would say, okay, ready, fly. They had a guy that would, and they would know when to, you know, did you, you know, the blowing of the horn and whatever was, was, was the, the sound that the horn made determined the action that they would take. It's kind of like being a, a, a quarterback, and he's down there shouting out the, the plays, 36, 41, Alpha, Charlie, well, they heard the code, which meant they knew the play to run. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Well, this is a, you know, they would all go out and do their thing. But the Indians and the French that learned, they want them. You know why? Because they didn't have any rules. They, their rule was to win and dominate. So they were hiding in trees. They were behind rocks. And, they were, and, and the, the, the soldiers said, wait, no fair. You're, you're not following the rules of engagement. And so at the beginning, they were getting whomped because they were trying to follow rules of engagement. Well, how many know that when David was out there fighting, and even Joshua was fighting, how many know that there were no rules? They did not have the rules of engagement. The rules of engagement. Imagine this. How did, they, how did they win in Jericho? What did they hear? Well, they sent out some people to go visit a prostitute Rahab, and they set up this elaborate plan to take the city of Jericho, and the walls came down. And the family that helped them was saved. How many know, how many know that wasn't fair? How many know that there was deception in order to win? Because all is fair and you winning. God didn't sit there and say, oh my God, a prostitute? Really? Joshua, you sent these guys to, couldn't you find a virtuous woman? Did he say that? Do we find that in scripture? No. Now, I want you to understand this because they came back and were clean. Now watch this. But he said he had an upright heart. And you kept showing this abundant, generous love, giving him a son to sit on his throne today. Everyone say, legacy. How many know that David's legacy continues today? Everyone look at your neighbor and say, I'm part of David's legacy. The Bible says that that legacy is an eternal legacy. That the throne of David would be for... Did you know that even after this whole thing is over here and, and we begin to rule and reign with Christ Jesus, did you know that we're still of the legacy of David then? Because we're the body of Christ. It never stops. It's an eternal legacy. You are, watch this, you, because you're part of that legacy, are destined to rule and reign with Christ for eternity. Some of you go, I don't care much about ruling and reigning. Let's get you born again. Because God has given you a heart of a king. The Bible says that forever we will rule and reign as kings and priests. Because as kings we rule, as priests we represent God. And did you know that as a church of Jesus Christ today, 
we need to begin to represent God to this world. Because in the United States, all they've known is religion, rules, and regulation. They've not known the true power of God. You know that what people's complaint was? Watch this. Pam will remember this. When we were in Long Beach working, we weren't even, we just worked, not because we were officially in their ministry, but we just did the work of the ministry with Brant Baker Ministry. Oh, but do you know what happened to Brant Baker? Shut up. God does too. We're going to talk to him in heaven. Now watch this. People would get mad at Catherine Coleman and Brent Baker because there were a lot of Christians that were showing piety. But these old sinners were getting born again when the power of God would hit them out on the sidewalk. And they were getting healed and delivered. And this glorious salvation would occur to them. And yet they were wheeling people out of stretchers back into ambulances. Did you know that for a little while, I couldn't reconcile that? Because I would say, why God, why? At this point, even today, I say, God, I'm giving, the, I'm giving that to you. I have answers here and there, but you can't put those answers on everybody. But I can tell you this, that when God called, those people responded, and the glory of God would reach the sinner. Sometimes the sinner was like the man at the gate called Beautiful. He looked up to receive at the right time and right place, and the man was hopping and leaping and praising God. And how many know that there were people with issues in that synagogue praying to God, asking for deliverance, but the man out here began to hop, leap, and praise God. Amen? I've got to show you this, because this is going to give you a key that God was looking at David because he was called, watch this, more so than because he was a great performer. That God is looking for trust. Now the Lord, my God, this is verse 7, you have given set the now, Lord, my God, you have set me as a king to replace my father. But I'm still young. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm still young. Get that smile off your face and say it like you mean it. I am still young. What's this? I don't have any leadership skills. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't have leadership skills. I'm just showing you something. Watch this. You might say you do, but watch this. I'm going to show you. Say, I don't have leadership skills. Watch. I don't have leadership skills. Now, this is what he's telling him. I'm going to show you how to set up a governmental structure. Let your servant, verse 8, live in the midst of your people that you have chosen, a great people that is too numerous to be counted. Now, what's this. He's starting to say, this job is too big for me. This is too much. Watch this. So give your servant an understanding mind. Now, that word there, heart or mind, is the, is the Hebrew word shama, which means to hear obediently and declare diligently. I love that. Because he goes, I don't have leadership skills. I'm still too young. I haven't experienced much in life. You know, a lot of us are still baby Christians because we haven't learned how to govern our lives. And now watch this, spiritually. Remember I already said that everything starts in the spirit? Did you know that everything that we do has to begin spiritually? You know what? The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will get, be added to you. Isn't that true? The Bible says, put him first. In what? In your giving. Put him first. First fruits. You know that all through history, God is saying, put me first. God wants to be first in everything. Amen. Are you with me? He wants to be first in everything. So you put him first. 
David put him first. How many know David, even when he, on the days that he put God first, still screwed up? How many here start out your day putting God first? By the end of the day, you think, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You just like that man who says, how many know you ever get next to Jesus and you're thinking, I am, I'm going to be burnt right now, man. I'm not good. I am so messed up. And you, you, the other man says, oh, I'm righteous, you know, and he's standing proud. And then he says, this guy beats his chest, says, be merciful to me, a sinner. How many have ever felt like beating your chest and saying, God, I'm not worthy of anything you have? Anybody ever be, feel like that? The rest of you all self-righteous? Um, I know I just, no, you know what? We've all had those days. We've all had those weeks. We've all had those months. How many here have ever gotten a sin bent? It's not so much that you're, that you're evil, but you just forgot about God for a little while. How many ever put your Christianity in a kickstand to tell you back? How many ever start out, start out your day and say, Jesus, just stay in bed all day. I'm not going to handle this myself. Anybody, anybody ever do that? Oh, here comes that idiot again. You know what, Jesus, stay over here. I don't want you to hear what I'm about to say. <laughs> Watch. Listen, listen, listen. That's what Solomon was saying. He goes, man, you, you set me up. I'm living my dad's legacy. I don't even know how to live it. Now watch, watch what he says. Your servant. So give me a heart of understanding to hear you obediently. How many sometimes we hear God and we're not obedient? <laughs> What's this? I got to share something with you here. I got to show you something because it'll set you free. How many have ever heard God's word and you think, how many ever walk away from hearing what you got to do and you're more, you're more mad than glad? Come on, angels, don't look at me like that. How many ever hear an instruction from God, whether it's from the pulpit, whether it's from Chuck Smith, whether it's from Kenneth Hagin, I don't care, or the Holy Ghost himself speaks to your heart, and you're more mad than glad at what he's asking you to do. How many ever been that way? Watch this. I have to show you something. Joshua 1.8, he begins to say, meditate in my word. Watch what he says, meditate in my word day and night. Now, that word meditate means, watch this, to say it and mutter it over and over again, but I like this expression. It says to visionate, to imagine. To hear diligently, whether, it, whether you're mad or glad, do it. He told Joshua, you, you know what? I talked to Moses face to face. How would you like to have God do this? You know what? Right, stand up. And I'm God. And, and let's say that, that, that Mark was Moses. He was the prior leader. And he says, Mark is God. He is already with me in the heavens. And he and I used to talk face to face, like a man talks to a man. But you, you're going to take his place. Except we're not going to talk face to face. I'm just going to be down yonder, some preacher are going to be carrying my presence, way about two or three miles away. But you're, because you know the promises, you're going to live by all the promises. You don't get to talk to me face to face, but you're going to live by all the promises. But don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed because I'm with you. I'm just going to be down yonder two, two or three miles, and, and you just follow my presence, and leave these two million people across the Jordan to inherit, to inherit the land. I like that word inherit. You know what it meant? You're going to beat up seven nations greater than you. You're going to fight to take over that land that you inherited. Now watch this. You're going to do it that way. How many know that Joshua's going like, not fair, time? You talk to him face to face, but now I'm going to have to trust you. I'm going to have to do it by faith. I'm not going to see your face. But I'm going to look at a big box down yonder carried by big by priests. How many know that when you get down to the when you get down to the nitty gritty, they were following four men carrying a box. 
with angels on top of it. Now, it was a nice mop, but they were following men carrying a mop. I'm not being sacrilegious. I'm being real. I'm going to hear sometimes minimize the things of God just to make it real. Are you with me? Yes. They're two or three miles. They're going to follow the presence of God. They're going to follow a box carried by feet. But don't worry. You're going to win. How many know that he had to meditate whether he was mad or glad? He had to vision himself taking over the land. He's looking at all these people. They've let down Moses before. All his parents died in the wilderness. Now he's got all his kids. He said, but don't worry. No man will stand up against you all the days of your life. You're a winner, not a loser. Stick with me and we're going to take it all. Now, how many know that you had to do some adjustment in your heart? Go ahead and sit down. Now, how, how, how would you like it if you're going to take over now, but you've got to do it by promises? That's what we do now. I'm going to stand on the promise. No, you're not. You've got to act on the promise. None of the standing on the promises. You've got to act. The church of Jesus Christ has been standing on the promises too long, waiting for God to do something, and God's waiting for you to do something. Remember what we started with is the virtue, the moral excellence, the dunamis power that he talked about that he's adding to your faith so that you can act vigorously on the promise of God. What is acting You know, when something says, how many ever seen this thing that says, Shake well. You know, I used to hate when people come by and spray paint and they're waiting in line. And they're like, click, 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 now, shaking vigorously means, when you have to act vigorously, it means that you gotta, you're zealous, you're excited about it, whether you're mad or glad because you have a vision and a, an imagination that shows that you're going to win. That's what meditate means, to say it over and over again, to see it over and over again, because what does faith do? Faith, what, is the evidence of things not seen, the substance, which is the substance is what gives you hope, is what gives you vision, and to bring substance into fruition, that what you saw in the heavens that God's supplies can begin to materialize in front of you. How many know that the Bible says that the things that you believe for are invisible? Can I get a nutshell to do with just what you're doing in front of me? Now follow me. No, I'm kidding. But what? I don't know how they did it in the old days. We'd be sitting in theaters that didn't have any AC in it. And everybody, how many ever see those old Billy Graham things and they're all sitting in rooms just fanning themselves? Now watch this. But it says to vigorously. Now watch what it does. He says, understanding mind to govern the people so I can discern. Now you know what that word discern means? To separate mentally. To distinguish. That is, watch this. To understand, attend to, consider, to be cunning. Wow, God wants you to be cunning. How many ever know that that was something that was... uh, the only thieves are cunning. But God said, I want you to be cunning. What did Jesus say? I want you to be wise as serpents. How many serpents are cunning? How many know serpents are cunning? But yet gentle as a dove. There's the tension. There's the tension. How do you be gentle as a dove? 
and cunning as a serpent. What is it? What's another word for cunning? Someone give you another word for cunning. Huh? Mischievous? What else? What else? How many ever had kids that are cunning? How many have kids that turn into attorneys when, you, when it's time to get something done? You said, I mean, you said, you know what, the other day I got, I got angry because someone said, you know what, I'm using my words against me. I'm going to say 80 ways so that you keep quoting me. Just get it done. How many kids? How about sneaky? Cunning. You know that, how many know that when you fight to win, you know what my dad used to tell me? When it's fight to win? He said, when you're going to get in a fight, it looks like you're going to get whomped. Destroy him in the instant. Don't give him a chance to, to do anything else. That's what he told me. He goes, everything's fair. Kick him. Hit him in the, right in the nose. He goes, karate chop to the throat. Whatever it takes, get him down. Don't, just win. That's what he just told us. In the street, there's no, there's no, it's not fair. He goes, there's no rules of boxing. There's no rules of karate. And it was true. It, absolutely true. You don't give him time. Because there's no, <laughs> did you know that when Israel would get whomped, there was no honor in that? Did you know that God actually, you know why you lost? Because you didn't seek me. How many ever saw examples? How many ever saw in the scriptures where David would get lectured because he would fight the same, he'd go to God, tell him you got it, go to God, tell him you got it, go to God, tell him you got it, and then when he did it on his own, he'd lose. And he says, you didn't consult me. He did not go to the spirit before entering into conflict. You got to understand that because this is what he grew up with. with um, and he said, watch what he says. He says that you need to be prudent with regard to teach, to think, listen, to understand between good and evil. How many know that the book of Hebrews tells you, says that for, for even owing to be teachers because of this time, Again, you need that someone teach you. What's what? The elementary teachings or beginnings of the oracle of God. You have, have need of milk and not, stri- not strong food. How many know that strong food is acting? And it's the word of God that begins to give you strength. Now watch this. For everyone who is, not take, who is partaking of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, and he's an infant. And, perf- and of complete men is strong food because of the use and having their senses exercised unto the discernment of both good and evil. You get to exercise. You try. You practice. Can I tell you something? This is true. Now, I want to read something to you. I, 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 I got to find out what time. What, what time is it, somebody? 5.25. Huh? 5.25. Okay, I got a little bit of time. 5.25. 5.25. Okay, good. 45? Someone wants me to finish fast. Now, watch this. <laughs> watch this. Second Kings chapter two. Is this making sense? Oh, thank you, Mio. Second Kings chapter two. So far, is this making sense, or am I making, or am I covering too much too quick? Is it making sense? I, I got to share this. You know what? I got to make it real to us because we have to learn how to. Exercise. I mean, know it's hot and uncomfortable in here right now, but you know what? It's worth it because the word of God is good. Hmm? I'm fine. I just cannot be without the light. Well, put the light on. These, these are fluorescent lights. They don't make it hot. 
That's why I have to hold this written paper real close. Now watch this. Second Kings chapter 2, verse 1. As the time drew near, when the Lord was about to take Elijah to heaven in a windstorm, Elijah and Elisha were on their way to, from Gilgal. Elijah instructed Elisha, remain here on this side, please, because the Lord is sending me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives, I'm not going to leave you while you're still alive. So they both went on to Bethel. When the guild of the prophets who lived in Bethel came to greet Elijah, Elisha, they asked him, you're aware today that, that, that the Lord is going to remove your master from being your mentor. Of course I'm aware, he said. Calm down. Now, before I go any further, did you know that the Bible says in Matthew chapter 25, where it talks about that you're given talent, that you're given... Now, watch, watch, watch. Everyone say parable. Because a lot of people get stuck in their heads that, oh, Matthew 25 is all about money. No, it's not. It's about your giftings, your talents, the people that God gives you. Did you know that one of those things that's, that's implied in that... Because you know what? Everything in a parable is implied. Say implied. And it's got truth. It's, a, it's not a doctrine. It's a preference. It shows you a truth. It's a story that reveals truth. So there are many... How many ever have heard Aesop's fables? How many ever heard Aesop's fables that tell you... And they're good because they're, they're, a lot of them are moral and they tell you, you know, they're stories that have a moral. Well, that's what, that's what fables... That's what, that's what parables are for. And so Jesus used many parables. And one of these things is that God gave some five, none two, and one one. And he says, here's your talents. Now, talents was money... And um, people say money because it has to be invested and there was transactions. But how many know, watch this. How many know when you have friends, there's transactions anyway? You know one of the transactions of friends is that even though you see flaws with them, you still like them because there's a connection. How many know that that's true? There's flaws. Some people say, well, you know, some of these flaws are deal makers. Well, make a deal, break the deal. But what happens is there's transactions. And, and you know that God calls you to multiply yourself in another person, whether it's your children, whether it's, whether it's your, you know, people you work with. You're here to mentor. You know what mentoring is? Discipleship. Everyone is called to disciple. You cannot get away. He said, go out, preach this gospel, and, and make disciples. You know what you're supposed to do is make people just like you. They believe the same way you do, and you're instructing them how to do that. One of those areas of multiplication. Well, you know what Elijah was doing? He had a mentor named Elijah. And he asked, what do you want? He said, I want double of everything you got. I want double of God. Amen. How many sometimes want double of God? You can ask God to give me double. I heard people say, you can't ask God for double of God. You got everything God already did to give you. No. You know, just because I, I, you know my dad owns everything doesn't mean that he's going to give me everything he owns. How many know a six-year-old does not get a car yet? No, some six-year-olds say, when you get old enough, that car is going to be yours. So maybe at six, you start working on it and start, you know, looking at things and dreaming about what you're going to do with that car. You know that that's a vision. When I was nine years old, I spied, I used to walk through this alleyway to get to the store quicker. Basically, I was being, I was being disobedient. I was going off the beaten path as mess around and do things that you're not supposed to do. But guess what I saw on the back of a lot? There was this old used car lot, and I saw a 1965 Buick Riviera. And I was nine years old, and I thought, wow. I was fourth grade, and I was looking. I saw this car, clamshell light, and I looked at the inside, and I said, man, I want one of those. 
well, the one I saw was green, ugly green. And, it, and I saw that, and it was, and I saw it, and I thought, I want one of those. Guess when I was 16, man, what I got. The first, as soon as I turned 16, I looked in the paper. There was one in Downey that an old lady had because her husband died, and it was garaged. And guess what I got? I earned $700 that summer, back when, back when minimum wage was $1.68 an hour. And I got all my money and said, here you go, lady. And I got out of there with my 65 Riviera. But I'd been dreaming of driving that car since I was nine years old. Because I kept seeing that and seeing that and seeing that. And guess what? I learned a principle there because when I opened the newspaper, I forgot what newspaper was. It was those things where you find deals. I don't know if it was called the Trippy Nickel or it was called something like that. I looked and it was, there it is. And my mom said, call this number. And we called. And she goes, ah, oh, I don't know why you like old cars. So I wanted that car. And that's what I got. Now, what's this? Why? Because I, I saw it. And I asked for it, and I wanted it. And I told my grandma, she goes, well, let's ask God. And I said, when I get my car, I'm going to take you everywhere. I should never have said that. She took buses everywhere she went. And, and you know what? If he, and yeah, just like you, everywhere we went, we took buses. And sometimes she'd fall asleep, or we'd both fall asleep, and end up, instead of stopping in Norwalk, we'd end up in Buena Park at the Nabisco place. And the oh, I get out. We're like, oh, she goes, call your father. When, that's back when you have to put money in a... You didn't have cell phones. You had to go find a phone booth and call and say, we're in the Visco again. He goes, oh, both of you were asleep. I sent you so that she can, so that, so that you can keep her awake. But anyway, what happened... Well, you know, you take the bus, you fall asleep from Echo Park all the way to Norwalk was a drive. But what's this? Elijah, Elijah told Elisha, if you see me when I go, you will get double of everything I do. And you know what? History shows us that he had double the miracles that, he, that Elijah had. But let me share something with you, because this is important. Because his legacy, watch this, Elijah's will and legacy was manifest in Elisha. Elisha did not lack. He had double of everything that Elijah had. Now watch this. You know that's the thing that we've got to put in our kids? The ability to create wealth. Not just to take over your wealth, because can I share something with you? One day I was asking God, because I was, we were doing a series on teaching about legacy. Well, let's say you own six houses, you have buku cars, you're just like Donald Trump. You know, let's say the economy bottoms out. Did you know that the economy today is built upon the sale and the movement of goods and services? Did you know that when 9-11 happened, a lot of businesses went out of, a lot of businesses shut down because people stopped buying? Did you know that Disneyland, not Spray Farm, and all these attractions and movie houses were all tripping? They were just like, whoa, we're going to go out of business because people are scared. They're huddling together. They don't want to spend money. And businesses went out of... The, the, the president had to tell people, it's safe to go back to the beach. Go to your amusement parks. Go back to start shopping. You know, start doing these things again. But for a lot of businesses, it was... It was curtains. They, they, they went out of business. Did you know that in... in, in, uh, in during the 20s, the roaring 20s, everybody... There, there was unprecedented prosperity, and then that there were some events that caused the economy to flip, and because everybody was invested again in Wall Street and in businesses, when they began to shut down, we were plunged into a world depression. Everybody thinks about the U.S. just like the depression here. We were plunged into a world depression where there were no jobs, no buying and selling, and there were a few people like the Rockefellers that amassed the wealth, but even they could not invest to increase their wealth unless they invested in banks that were outside of the United States. Imagine being in that condition where no matter how much money you had, 
It didn't do you any good. There were places in Europe where they were literally taking barrels, they were wheelbarrows, filled with mo money just to get bread and eggs. Because the, and I began to remember history, and I began to see, you know what? If our legacy is in what is material, then that's not a true legacy. And I began to search the scriptures out. The Bible says that it is he who gives you the ability to create wealth. And Deuteronomy begins to say, when you begin to trust God, it is he who brings the rain. And at that moment, because the, are the parents of the people who were growing up during the Depression had put their, their trust in money, even churches. We began to see pioneers like Amy Semple McPherson in 1933 began to preach the gospel. And she began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And she began to build a church in the middle of the Depression in Los Angeles where they said you couldn't do a thing. And God began to increase the people within that area. Do you know what businesses began to rise faster? Now watch this. During that time, Hollywood. Hollywood began to produce movies that were unprecedented and people began to go and invest their money. Why did they want to see movies that had stories that would move the heart? Because their hearts were so broken over what was going on that they needed to be uplifted. Watch this. Guess who back in those days, which group, did you know that there were churches, the Catholic Church, Protestant churches that were investing in Hollywood to get the message and change the hearts of the people from one of depression into being uplifted? But you didn't know that. The power of media to change the nation. There were stories on radio. People didn't have television. They had radio that were stories that were uplifting. There were about heroes, that people who were winners and not losers that were coming out ahead. And people would sit around, families would sit around the radio to hear these stories of their heroes. Guess who was behind that? Catholics were bringing money into these places and into the advertisers of the movement of goods and services began to do that. That was the role of the church or the Judeo-Christian ethic that began to take the country from one place to another just by changing the atmosphere in the heart of a person of that of depression. Watch that because there was depression in the heart, therefore there was depression in the world to take them out of a place of depression into a place of joy and well-being. Isn't that amazing? What could happen through history? Now, I'm just talking about history, what the church was doing at that time. Isn't that amazing what happens when the garrison of the Philistines is brought down from that mountain or that gate and they began to put things out there that had messages of hope? What can we do in this world today to change the atmosphere of the way the world is going? See, but we, you didn't know that, did you? Now watch this. See, the life of Elijah, spirituality is first. It gives birth, watch this, to riches. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to, to you. We ask for things, but God always gives, gets the leftovers. What? If you don't begin in the spirit, you'll miss everything. But did you know, watch this. It's not easy because when he asked Elijah, what did Elijah ask for him? Way to go. That's the way to go. That's how we do things. He didn't say that. He said, you asked something really hard. Anybody that wants to be a mover and shaker is asking for something hard. You know what? Just, you know that just bringing up kids is a hard thing? Sometimes they don't want to listen. We have to trust that what we put in them is going to last because of things of the heart. And how many know we're in per we are imperfect vessels 
putting sometimes a perfect word in their heart. And sometimes because of how we teach them, they're looking at you and you're, they're looking at us and our inconsistencies and wanting to put value on what you're telling them. Why? Because we've taught them that their value is based on performance and not trust. Come on, and you know that's true. That was a pregnant statement. Watch this. What happens in this world, we have been trained, watch this, to look at things carnally, physically, popularly, secularly, humanly, through a worldly standpoint. If that's how we live life, then we're backward Christian soldiers. We're not onward. Have you ever seen that Michael Jackson dance, moonwalk? He's not going anywhere. He's walking backwards. Many Christians will do a razzle-dazzle and make it look like you're doing something, but you're not moving. There's spiritual movement, but it's not onward. Faith has one direction, forward. Can I tell you something? Faith, we have a positive God. He said, prove it, Pastor. See these seven nations greater than you? I think it's the wind. See these seven nations greater than you? You're going to want them. You're winners. So God calls us. He says we're more than conquerors. How many ever feel like a conqueror when, you, when all hell breaks loose on you? You don't feel like it. That's when you have to take his word and be angry about it. Why should I even be in this situation? How much of that? I'm a winner, not a loser. I'm more than a conqueror. Why am I in this situation? God, where are you? Well, he's right here. He never leave me, forsake me. You're Joshua. You've been given a big assignment. And so you're angry. Well, his word is, his word is true. His word is final authority in my life. I'm, <laughs> the joy of the Lord is my strength. Dear Lord, I don't have any joy, but your word is true. So, Father, I meditate in your word day and night. That's what it says. Whether you're angry or whether you're happy. How many know that when you're on top of the world, you're saying, thank you, Father, that I'm more than a conqueror, that I'm loved, that I'm above only and not beneath. Hallelujah. Prosperity is mine. It's easy to say that when you got $5 in your pocket. That's true. But how many know when you got two quarters to rub together, it's hard to say, praise the Lord, I'm above only and not beneath. How many know that it's harder to say that when you're going through changes than when you have it? How many know when everybody hates you and everybody's lying about you? It's hard to turn around and say, you know what, man, I've got integrity. And then you meet people everywhere and say, wow, man, you're so different from what you were described. And God tells you, just shut your mouth, don't say anything, and just smile. Well, yeah, you know what? People just always misunderstand me. You know what? It's hard. But I know what God's called me to do. I have to stay faithful. Can I tell you something? I, gotta, I have to shut my mouth when I want to say the opposite thing. Cal and I were talking about that. Sometimes, we, we, how many know you can, you can be positive on this side and negative on that side? Don't look at your present circumstance and say, I'm not going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to put this together. You know why? It's because you're too busy looking at things from a worldly point of view. Well, two plus two is two. No, it's not. Two plus two is four. Now you're good. But a lot of times, God, if God says two plus two is ten, then, then what is it? Four. It's ten. Because God said it. Yeah, but the laws of physics, shut up, negative. Shut up, that's half empty. What God says is what will change your present circumstance, not what you see in front of you. Isn't that true? 
God will change your, per, your present situation. Now, how do you change that? The Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word. It's not just reading the Bible. It's not just listening to the Bible. Can I tell you something? You can read the Bible all day long, but just reading a book. You've got to get that Word in your heart until you see it. You've got to get that Word in your heart until you begin to do it. Then when you say that Word and you believe it, now faith comes. I'm going to play the Bible on tape while I sleep. Good luck. <laughs> Why don't you get the Bible on tape and hear it while you're awake and write it down? Come on now. What do you do with the best part of your day? If morning is the best part of your day, you ought to be in the Word first. But if you're not nocturnal, can I tell you something? If you're not a nocturnal person, then don't get in the Word because you're going to sleep through the Word. If I try to do stuff at night, I'm nodding. I'm writing and I just start to scribble. I don't even know what I write sometimes. I got to give God the first part of my day because that's when I'm the most alert and active. Are you hear what I'm saying? Yes. I, he's got to come first. But if you're not full of the word, then you're going to be full of the world. And you're going to look at things carnally. You're going to look at things popular. Can I tell you, it may not be popular to like the things that you like. I like that thing I put down and, and, and it was in Juliana in the, in the little bulletin. And it said, isn't that a trip that you know Beyonce's songs by heart, but at church you need somebody to put on the screen? Isn't it a trip? Yeah, it is a trip. You know what? When we, when, when we were growing up, Pam would remember this, and Norma and, and George, when we were at Pastor Art's church, Art Aragon's church, we didn't have a screen. We just went over the songs like four times, and then we learned them. And we sung them. Why? Because we had a desire to get in the presence of God. But we didn't have the screen. Remember, remember those primitive things where you have that overhead projectors? You have to put one on there and put one on there. We got spoiled with overhead projectors. Back in the day, you know, and then they said, well, what about when they have the hymnals? That's okay. You know, turn to page 344. Bless God from whom all blessings flow. I, I remember a little kid looking at these things. Yeah. It's the truth. But then we got into Hosanna Integrity Worship where they had all this music reproduction. And there was nothing, no, no screen. We just remember the word. Why? So we had a desire just to get in this presence. Isn't that a trip? But you know what happens though sometimes when you see the words on there? Don't they sometimes hit you to the heart a little faster? You see that and you think, wow. You know, we, we're visual people. Now, I'm going to close here because I, I'm, this is like a two-Sunday message. Watch this. Oh, yes. Hebrews 11.27, we'll close with the scripture. So then I'm going to take you to first, first Kings, and we'll go there next week. Okay. Hebrews 11, verse 27. Now, let's talk about Moses. Moses is the type of shadow of Christ. Say Christ. Power, brother. Amen. I'll end right here. Watch this. By faith, it's talking about Moses, he left Egypt without being afraid of the king's anger. And he persevered because he saw the one who was invisible. Now, what did he see? If he saw the one who was invisible, what did he see? He saw his deliverer. He said he saw the one who said he'd be above only, not beneath. He saw who he was in the reflection of the one who said, watch this. Did you know that in Hebrews 
it talks about when we begin to see the presence of God, that we are the exact representation of Christ. That's what we are. And we are the reflection of his glory. That's, that's heavy responsibility, isn't it? The Alma is a reflection of God's glory. So wherever she walks, she reflects his glory. Because she's conscious of the fact that she's a carrier of the Most High God. See, did you know that in those days the priest carried a box in the presence of God above in that box? Do you know that you are now the Ark of the Covenant? Christ lives in you, the hope of glory. We are the reflection, the reflective essence of Jesus Christ in this world. You're filled with His glory. You're filled with His power. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. Now watch this. Did you know that the Holy Ghost is here to help you glorify God? Now watch what these people did. They began. Now the Bible says that these guys, some of them were sawn in half, and they didn't flinch. Some of them had their kids snagged and were cut in half, but they didn't relent. They went through some terrible things. The Bible says that there was a greater reward for those who didn't cease. It was during that 400 years that we call the silent years, in which these people held on because the Bible says that they did exploits. Talking about Daniel 11.32, talking about those very people who, who, who got this, that they began, they stopped doing sacrifices in the temple because they had some fast-talking, slick-talking preachers that said, no, you can do good works. But these people would not bow to the circumstance. During the Maccabean Wars, they held on. And the Bible says that they didn't even get their promise, but they stood strong in faith. Why? Because they saw their deliverer. They saw the one who was invisible. They, what do you see now? In the midst of junk, what do you see? Do you see more junk, or do you see your deliverer standing strong? The Word of God is our deliverer because it is the living Word that stands in front of you in that book when you look at the Scriptures that bring comfort, that bring peace, that bring power. It's right there in front of you. We've got to become, what's this? Church is not a place where it's a class. I hear Dr. Scott say, you're coming to the University of the Air. Dr. Scott, you were wrong. Because church, it's a place where Elijah meet Elisha and sharpen seal, sharpen iron. We're called to raise up and disciple one another. That's what happened in church. That's what family does when they come in and they sharpen iron and they don't sit there and say, well, you know, I don't talk to that side and this side doesn't talk to that side. And you know what? You all talk to everyone. You know why? Because we're different expressions of the same God. We're different expressions of the same God. Some of us don't like the reflection that we give, but you know what? La-di-da, because this is who I am. You understand? Yes. I may not be perfect, but I'm the reflection of God and the expression of God that sometimes manifests. You notice I say sometimes manifests to me because we're not perfect. By faith, I am who I am. By faith, I take who I am. Can I tell you something? You know that, watch this. You know why you're like God? Because there's no one like him. And I'll say that again. You know why you're like God? Because there is no one like him. You know, I like the question Manny asked. What makes God great? It was his love. It's who he is. God is love. Now watch this. He says, there is none above me, none below me. I am. Guess what? Check that out. In Christ, there is none like me. I am who I am, and there's nobody else like me. But I am going to put the ideals that I have in you because I'm going to raise up mentors that see things like I see, that have the same vision for this world. 
I am going to raise up world changers that will go into the business mount, the education mount, the political mount. Can I tell you something? I need you. I need you to be who you are. Can I tell you something? If you're a slick-talking slick talking person that knows how to slide things through there, I want you in the political mount. I will say, oh, Mike Huckabee is a, is a believer. Have you, ever heard him, have you ever heard him stop and preach? And, and he ministers? And yes, he is a politician. They ask him questions, and you know what he does? He is cunning. And he's slippery. But he's gentle as a dove. Have you ever heard him speak? They try to peg him on stuff, and he just slides right through. They say, what's the scripture? And when they sought to kill Jesus, he would speak to them and slide on by. And they couldn't kill him. He would speak to them and stump them and walk on through them. The Bible says that he would walk through the mix and no one put a finger on him. Why? Because they were busy trying to figure out what he said. What would he say? Well, tell me this. He says, well, you answer me that first. Tell me that don't sound like a politician. See, a lot of people say, politicians are evil. Now you get a righteous one and there's peace. Look, I'm not, can I tell you something? I was talking to another preacher, another pastor. And I said, you know what? I used to get so tripped up because I wanted to teach prosperity and faith the way that it was taught by my predecessors, and I can't. Because, and that's when he says, you have an apostolic ministry, sir. That's why you can't do what everybody else does. And I remember the prophetic words that Pam and I sat under. Can I tell you what? Everybody called us out and said, you, you. And can I tell you something? When I want to quit, I just remember all these men of God. I remember we were Brother Hagin's ministry, and he called us out. It's like, like back then I was too starstruck, you know. Hagen, ah, you know what I mean? It's like, you know what? God is so good. God is just so good. You know what he lets you see? I remember when we found out that the group of people that we were with at early ministry were all the word of knowledge workers at Captain Coleman's ministry. And I was like, ah. What can I tell these people? They were under the glory. Because I mean, the glory was in those meetings. They were just under the glory. Who could have... And guess what I found? What's it in the natural? Listen. Sweetest people ever. They're sometimes a little cunning. Well, can I tell you something? Listen, listen, listen. I found out they were as human as human can be. Some of them had issues. They did. And I was shocked. And guess what I started learning? The word of grace back then. And guess what happened because of the word? They began to see this Pam and I, who at first we came in, we were these newlyweds. And it felt sometimes like they were just patting us on the head. But as my then pastor would give us opportunity to minister and share the word, all of a sudden, God began to move in these meetings and they began to look at us as men and women of God that were there with them. They all of a sudden, sometimes yes, but all of a sudden their opinion is just feeling like someone's patting you on the head. I used to hate that. It changed. Because we were becoming who God had called us to be. We were people of substance that God gave us. Not of our own, but of substance that came from God. And over the years there's been many adjustments. And this is what we're doing with you. I'm giving you this word and sharing these things with you. And a lot of times it's, listen, I'm a teacher that teaches while he exhorts. 
because you need to get some reality of what it's like in this life to be who God calls you to be. I'm not just going to give you a bunch of facts so you can take home and put it on a shelf. I'm going to show you who you can be every day as a human, as an individual, filled with the power of God through the expression that is you. See, there's nothing wrong with you. God lives in you. He hasn't left because you're flaky. You imagine he doesn't, Father, I call on you right now. He doesn't, can I tell you something? It's out of your belly that flow the rivers of living water. It doesn't come from there to here. He activates. The Bible says to stir up the gift that is within you. Recall the prophecies that were given about you. Watch this. And do a warfare with the prophecies and begin to act out what God said you are. And quit neglecting that gift that he put on the inside of you. That's what we're more guilty of is neglecting the gift because we begin to think through a worldly point of view and, and a carnal point of view and what's popular. Can I tell you, young people, it's not imp- can I tell you, you create. You know what right now is really big, and it has been for a few years, is the expression of who they are on YouTube. And you're a flash in the pan for a little while because you get 32 million views. And then for a little while, people will invest in you because you make money for them, but when you stop making money for you, they're flashing the pan. You're there for a little bit, and boom, you're gone. Can I tell you something? Right now is the time for you to be who God called you to be. Be an individual and create your own trends. Create your own passions. Create something that other people will want, and it'll happen. Quit being followers. Establish your personality, and you gather followers around you. Because that's what you're called to do. We're not little sheep and little mice. God changed you. You're brand new creatures in Christ Jesus. He changed you from the inside. Be what God, can I tell you, there's a nagging on the inside that is calling you to come out and be who you are. Amen. And we're all imperfect. Say I'm imperfect. But I serve a perfect God. And he forgives me. He cleanses me from all unrighteousness. In his sight, I'm brand new. I'm above only, not beneath. I am blessed of God. The generation, watch this, of the upright shall be mighty in this world. Your children and your children's children will be mighty in this earth. But you better put God in them. You better show them a spiritual heritage because otherwise they'll just join the world and leave the God that you brought them up with. Because their true heritage has to begin by the Spirit. I hope you're encouraging each other to pray. It's time. Time. Amen. Amen. Part two of this message will, will, will be next week. And uh, I've got to retype some notes in here, and I'll give you guys outlines uh, of, these neat, of these notes so you can go back over them. This message is available on TalkShoe, and you can go back to hear the message on TalkShoe. TalkShoe audience, thank you for being with us. Praise the Lord. Amen.
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.